Hello, everyone. We welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion. Thank you all for joining us. Our subject today is Doctrine of Atonement, and we are recording from the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent, Plainfield, New Jersey, the United States of America, and another most beautiful April day here in town. So we will start today with our morning prayer. Good morning. I'm reading from page 63 of Divinity Course and General Collectania, the blue book. This is a prayer for Mrs. Eddie, a prayer for oneself. I thank thee, Father, Mother, God, that neither ignorant, fraudulent, nor malicious mortal mind can reach me, affect me mentally, physically, financially, or otherwise. And I know it, for God is the only power, but that I am not the victim of aggressive mental suggestion, nor the target of malicious animal magnetism, claiming to operate through any channel whatever, but I am the blessed legal child of God, spiritual, immortal, all harmonious, perfect, happy, healthy, pure, sinless, free, and fearless and diseaseless, and deathless, expressing the substance of all good. Hold yourself constantly and consciously under God's eternal law of blessing, of happiness, harmony, health, peace, joy, power, progress, protection, abundance. There is no other law, only a contrary mortal mind lie which you are awake and alert to and not under. Mary Baker Eddy. Beautiful. Thank you. What a treatment. I feel better already. <laughs> well, that's the point. <laughs> Thank you, Florence. Okay, watching point. Watch number 402. Watch that you realize that you have never been cut off from God and never can be. Cut flowers soon die, even though they may be preserved for a time in water. If we believe that we have been cut off from God and placed in the water of mortal mind, we will be dogged by the claims of limitation, finiteness, and death. The claim of personality that is used to frighten so many students is no more than the suggestion that man can be cut off from God and still live. So it says, read miscellaneous writings, 97, line 32. Shall I go ahead and? Okay. Yes. So this is um, from miscellaneous writings from uh, a chapter on Christian science uh, in Tremont Temple, a talk that Mrs. Eddy gave, and it's answering the question, is there a personal man? And then it, this is the line that, that Carpenter referred to. Quote, the only cause for making this question of personality a point or of any importance is that man's perfect model should be held in mind whereby to improve his present condition, that his contemplation regarding himself 
should turn away from in harmony, sickness and sin, to that which is the image of his maker. End quote. Thank you. <clears throat> okay, comments on that watching point? Well, cut, cut from the cut from the flowers cut is separation I feel it seems to me if you are separated like we sometimes feel so separated from God then we are not at one and then it means that all the lies can be true and they are not thank you like the prayer said that we're the blessed legal child of God right. <laughs> and right. And that he has the, the proof of it. I think that's really an interesting thing. And through Christian science, we find that proof so that we know that we're not cut off. We, it's like a proven fact. Right. Yeah, Louise on the forum wrote quite a bit on the, you know, this old theology sense. Um, and how different it is in Christian science, and the difference between atonement and at one mint. And we'll certainly be talking about all those things today because we are at one with the Father. And whenever you're not feeling that way, um, just an aggressive mental suggestion. It can be because you've been disobeying the commandments. That will make you definitely feel that way, disobedience. But you can always change your course and get back to where you feel at one with the Father. So, anyone else on that watching point? It reminds me um, to declare my oneness with God. Because from my standpoint, it, it, it appears that when we do all for these other suggestions and you know we that's where all our trouble comes from we just maintain our oneness and and our joy and our peace with god then we really don't have to go through that and if it does come up we recognize it for what it is yes thank you what's also been helping me is um saying to myself or knowing that there's only one I, I am, and um, the little I has nothing, there is, there is no little I, that's what would separate. When we think there's two, um, that way, as they said, that's where all our trouble starts. And to stay with the I am and know that whatever we're thinking or saying, God should be saying it. God, let God speak, and we're sure that it's the truth coming from the I am. Yes. Yeah, and, and Martha Wilcox is very clear on this mm -hmm. in her uh, in her book that y you are God manifest. You you are God being manifest. There isn't anything else to you. And if you think there is, then you're mistaken. And why live a mistake when you can live the truth? And that's what Christian science teaches us. 
That's why it's so important to study it every day. Because it is possible to be at one with God. <laughs> to be perfect, as, as the prayer says. Yeah, you're not God, but God manifests himself through you. When you when you let him, when you get that personality sense out of the way and let God work in you, the powerful thought. And there, I just love. I don't know whether there's anything better than Bignell Young's article "Oneness," written on this topic, other than what Mrs. Eddy tells us in both science and health and prose works. Um, it's a long article, but I, I listen to it often. I study it often. And I know the first time that I read it, it, it woke me over when I realized what, what was being said. You know, he says, as we gain understanding of God, if we are not the same mind, having the same understanding of individual being, our being, God is still a theory. What is the difference between theory and reality? A theory is something believed, but not necessarily used or lived. Reality is being what one understands. It is realistic being. And that's what we're going to talk about and work on today. And then he also this paragraph. If we know this of ourselves, we know that we are good because God is the only good. We know we are intelligent because God is the only intelligence. We are harmonious, because God is the only harmony. We are the very presence of these things. We no longer feel that our demonstration lies in, a, in an appeal to a power outside of ourselves to do this or that, but that we are the very presence of these things even the presence of something that may seem to be lacking. And that article goes on just, you know, taking everything. It, it, it's a treatment for just about everything, including going into our nation and the world. But this is why the first thing when you wake up, you start, God is mind, God is my mind, God is the only pure and perfect mind. God is life. God is my life. God is the only pure and perfect life. And then, if need be, you go on from there, especially if there are things you feel you need, like God is health. God is my health. God is the only pure and perfect health. Or joy or strength or whatever it is you need. You declare it, that you have it because you were at one with the Father. And you think about it later during the day. God is vision. God is my vision. God is the only pure and perfect vision. And this is uniting you to the seven synonyms. And this is declaring your oneness, and it's starting your day off with the oneness. If you know you have no other life but God, then, well, that's a mighty power in knowing that. But you have to use it and work with it. And tremendous results will follow when you do it sincerely. And then before we go any farther, I just <laughs> I just wanted to share something one of our friends in Australia gave me this week, which I loved. Okay, are you ready? She said, 
Blessed are we who can laugh at ourselves, for we shall never cease to be amused. (laughs) 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 So, a good sense of humor is a great thing. (laughs) A merry heart maketh like a medicine, and to be able to laugh at yourself is very important. It's essential. It's fun. It's fun. Yes, it is. Remember, well, you'll never cease to be amused. <laughs> and the reason it's healthy is because it shows the humility that is required to be obedient to the things of God. And laugh at yourself. That, that's a wonderful sign of spiritual growth. Yeah, and we were always taught here, too, that error does not like to be laughed at. You see, when you laugh at it, you put it in its place. You're not impressed with it. You're not intimidated by it. You can laugh at it. And and isn't it ridiculous? I mean, so often it is just so incredibly ridiculous what it claims. So if you can stand back and laugh, it's very good. And it's not it's in that respect. It's not being unkind. Um, it's it's just putting it in its place. We never laugh at people, but we laugh at animal magnetism that tries to bluster around and think it's so powerful and and it can't it can't be done. So I just love that. She found that in a in a she said an old book. She'd written it down. I don't know who the author is, but I thought you could put it for the calendar sometime. Sharon's <laughs> <Yeah>. already. <laughs> yeah, it's already. It's already there. <laughs> okay. I like the, that. Error is only a pompous fool. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. Because oh, what it does. Yes. Yeah, it's this, you know, cowering, oh, this terrible things happen to me. Well, no, it's not. And if you can laugh at it in whatever way, how ridiculous its claims are, it'll be very freeing. We all need a good laugh. The laugh helps break the mesmerism. Thank you. That's true. Mrs. Eddie said, what are the three ways to break a mesmerism? Get a person to what? Cry, laugh, or get angry. Get angry. Cry, laugh, or get angry. <laughs> So, and, and you know, this, that is it Norman Cousins who wrote he, many, many healings of very serious things by watching funny movies and laughing. <laughs> <laughs> it, it does wonderful things to you. It relieves all the tension and worry and stuff. You know, you can't be worried if you're having a good belly laugh. So, remember that. All right, Lil, would you read that golden text for us? The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. Thank you. Now, my dad used to always say he would be desolate without my mother. So (laughs) (laughs) anyway, so Linda, what did you write about that? Well, I got the definition of desolate, which was neglected, solitary, without companion, afflicted, joyless, deserted of God, deprived of comfort. And then discouragement was a synonym and disheartened and lack of hope, which was from Webster's. I just thought it was beautiful how it, the last week's roundtable just went right into the lesson this week. And so I, I linked it. I didn't say much, but that um, 
I'm just very grateful to get the tools so that we can handle discouragement. Um, especially a gratitude journal that's been very helpful for me. Yeah, very helpful because especially when you're walking through a <clears throat> trial period, sometimes you forget all you are grateful for. And it's most important to remind ourselves, keep a look. Yeah, and Mrs. Eddy once said that while she was alone, she was well, not lonely, lonely right? yeah. <laughs> because she had God with her. Alone, but never lonely. So it's okay to be alone with our maker. In fact, it's very healthy <laughs> situation <laughs> yes. to be in. Yes. And then a beautiful responsive reading. Um, who can understand it? Understand his errors, cleanse thou me from secret faults. It's a very important prayer, isn't it? Because many times we can be sinning or doing things we don't un we don't realize that it's it's a secret fault, <laughs> or we can be doing it and thinking others don't know about it. Well, that's not true because God knows about it, so it'll be revealed. But that's a, just a wonderful prayer to think of often. And then keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Now, who was it that wrote about that? That's Ontario. Right? Oh, no. oh, oh, Patricia, right? Patricia, yeah, yeah Patricia. Patricia. So that word presumptuous, deliberate, flagrant, willful, arrogant, premeditation, purposely, maliciously, defiantly, um, goes on. <laughs> but then she wonders, um, the great transgression. What is this great transgression? Um, what is the greatest transgression? Murder, having pride, practice, yep. And she says, does anyone want to enlighten me? So does anyone want to enlighten her? Someone's... Pride. Right. Um, We thought the greatest transgression would be to uh, be the enemy of God, to, be, to hate him and be working against him. Thank you. Yeah. That's right. Yes. <laughs> and Mrs. Eddy does speak of it somewhere. A and to take this science and to work maliciously with it, to try to use it for malicious purposes. Mm -hmm. And to deliver... In other words, to deliberately disobey what you know is right. To deliberately work against what you know God created. It's an offense to God. And that is the only sin that is never forgiven. But some sins are very presumptuous, aren't they? 
where the sin will think that it's right. Right? Materia Medica thinks it's right. You know, atheists think they're right. Communists think they're right. Anybody that's online getting outraged thinks they're right. Which is quite a few different groups all the time. <laughs> outraged at. Just anything whatever right, right, yeah. <laughs> well in retrospection and introspection 72 mrs eddie says in the practice of christian science one cannot impart a mental influence that hazards another happiness nor interfere with the rights of the individual to disregard the welfare of others is contrary to the law of god therefore it deteriorates one's ability to do good to benefit himself and mankind. The psalmist vividly portrays the result of secret faults, presumptuous sins, and self-deception in these words. How are they brought into desolation as in a moment? They are utterly consumed with terrors. So we can know if people maliciously do this, presumptuously, maliciously, um, that there is a definite, definite penalty for that, to be consumed with terrors. And, and don't you see it? Sometimes people just, who are doing wrong, they become just afraid of everything. There is certainly, if they've been gotten wealthy, on, on they're certainly afraid of losing it. And well, well, they should be. And all the gates and security guards and all that, that won't eventually won't work the atheists that i know aren't very happy no that's true well they can't be sometimes an atheist rebels against this this false concept of god um you know the god of wrath and i i do understand that yeah. and those probably eventually will come out of that misunderstanding. So you used to be atheist. What do you have to say about it? Yeah, I went through a time with it. And a lot of it was because I saw some people who purported to be Christian, but were not really not following Jesus, that's for sure. (laughs) And seeing that, I didn't really know what to do with it. But I just thought I'm done with this. You know, I'm not. But of course, after a little while with with like a half-hearted atheism because I don't, I don't see how anyone could ever look at their kids and think you're just a series of accidents that culminated in you. But anyway, <laughs> I think it's really, you know, you get through this period where you're, you're like letting go of those beliefs and it doesn't mean as much. And then you're like, okay, I see there's, there is something that's guiding the universe. It's not nothingness. There, there is something. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So I, I'm just saying, in, in some cases, maybe being atheist is better than believing in this, uh, you know, a God of wrath and punishment and, and all of that. I mean, that's that's something you would reject. Or like a religious the, airlock kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> so. Or true, Christians who say they're Christians and yet do, you know, go around doing awful things. Mm-hmm. News doesn't help. 
there are people that believe because of news that they God is responsible for it. Like Ms. Zadie says, all the bad that ever happened. That's right. And, and, and some people believe that. It's true. And he's, in fact, uh, uh, my mentor for many years was this guy who lived in Baskin Ridge and he, he was the gentlest and courageous person, uh, <clears throat> white fellow. And he would, uh, he rode all the way from Baskin Ridge to my house in Queens to meet my family. And, and I stayed over there and he would, every time I brought up God, he said, no, 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 impossible. Can't, not, you know, he's, he's not good. He's not, I don't believe in it. Not. But he always did good things. In his life, he tried to help everybody beside me that would be willing to be helped, you know, in work and stuff like that. But he, <clears throat> until the last time I met him, he was just getting a little closer to believing that God was good, but uh, he still wasn't there yet, just because of all the news that he had accepted. Thank you, Craig. That's a, a great example, because he was living, he was living it and rejecting the false sense of it. And, and I totally get that. And that's why I sometimes with, you know, people they are upset because their children don't accept Christian science. Well, the wrong concept of Christian science should be rejected. It's not, it's not any, it's anything but Christian science. So I guess it's the idea of names and labels and all of that. We have to be careful of this. Um, yeah, thank you. That's a wonderful example of that. And, it's, and then it's a question of what do people replace it with? When, you know, they've rejected something, but you can't reject, you can't reject everything. <laughs> you, know, you have to accept something. Well, that's it. And they say, you know, when you say you don't believe in anything, that's not true. You're believing. Believe in something. You're believing in something and just watch what you are believing in. But Mrs. Eddie gives us this right concept of God and that should not be rejected. And when it's portrayed and conveyed in a, in a correct, clear, correct teaching, it, it won't be, it shouldn't be. But so the presumptuous sins, the great transgression. Craig, what, what did you say in the beginning? It was hating. Both to be an enemy of God. An enemy of God, yes. Mm -hmm. Or to use the science, you know, the mind in a malicious way. Um, all of that. Is yes, great the great transgression, the presumptuous sins, and there's a penalty for that. And Mrs. Eddy speaks about it in in Science and Health too. Um, I fall into ignorance or something. So, so I think we can't forget either. No, I said we can't forget either that you know nobody's fooling God. God knows the heart. So <laughs> that's for sure. Yes. No one is ever fooling God. Well, and God reveals to us whatever it is we need. You know, if, if someone is rejecting the false concept of God, God will reveal his true concept. Some way, somehow. That's right. The, 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 the truth is always pushing itself on all of us. And the hickory leaves will open. At the right time. That's right. <laughs> they might not be as evident, but it will come sooner or later. Everyone will bow before the Christ, the truth. Inevitable. 
And we must see it in people, just like Craig saw it. And even though he maybe that guy claimed to be an atheist, he saw the good. I know that many instances of that. People say they don't believe in God, and yet they go around doing tremendous good. So they do believe in God, because my question, as I've said before, or, or, or they believe in love, they believe in truth, they believe in mind, they believe in all the <clears throat> definitions Mrs. Eddy gives God. So they do. You just we get hung up on labels. It's just the word. Some people just can't say God. They have to. Well, that's okay. God, love. It's a synonym for God, so that's all right. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So so true. <clears throat> and then being washed thoroughly from my sins and, and in Psalms and creating me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. <laughs> we sing that song sometimes. It's beautiful. But that's that's a constant prayer. And this is this is um, demonstrating our oneness with, with God. We talked about this to some degree yesterday. Um, you've got to have this cleansing prob- process. Pond and purpose. And it's it's I think it's useful to see that it says renew a right spirit within me. It doesn't say create a right spirit within me. It says to renew it. Because it's always been there. Yes, that's very important. It's always been there. You see it in in the innocence of children. Um, it's always been there. So and we should always treasure it and value it. But if if by the our worldly experiences, we seem to, to put a lot of mud over it. Yeah, put a lot of mud over it, then we, we cleanse it. Luann here? Yes. Luann, you want to speak to that? I'm not really sure what to say, but I know it with uh, a lot of experiences in my life, I felt very separated from God. And uh, it, it would be easy to say, you know, there is no God. Or, and I used to say that. If, if you're not going to help me, then you're not there. But now that I've, when I, since I've been in Christian science, I can see all the good that was there the, the entire time I was growing up. And your and your right spirit was renewed in you. Yes. And you have blossomed into a wonderful practical scientist. Oh, and blessing a lot of people. Yes, yeah. She now has a YouTube channel if yeah, anyone yeah. wants to see it. A YouTube channel. She's for making these beautiful cups on her pottery wheel. So I had nothing nothing to give. You know, because I felt like I was just worthless and beaten right down to nothing. And I felt like, well, why would God want to help me? You know, God, like I was a throwaway child or something like that. I was really, really low. And now since I've been in Christian science, it's it's like so wonderful to just see the world in a different way and and to see people that come into the shop and, and... to see them as they are is just such a wonderful feeling to see all the good in the world. Thank you. 
Very much. And that's what you, Jeremy, you too, you said the same thing, right? That you were worthless. Or oh, whatever. yeah. I was certain I had nothing to offer. And it's funny to think about it now. I mean, anything I have to offer, it's not coming from me anyway. So it was kind of right <laughs> to see it right and that it comes from God. And yeah. That we all have our place and purpose is wonderful. And, and they have a, um, yeah, so, something we were taught here, the greater the good, the greater the opposition. Sometimes mm-hmm. the greater the good that's coming, there's a lot of opposition to it. I and mean, you just have to hunker <laughs> down and come through that. Florence? No, I'm agreeing. Sometimes okay. it's a long time. And I think uh, the examples of maybe people like Samuel Greenwood, who had such a hard time before and, and became a wonderful practitioner and others too. I mean, Kimball himself has tells of his example so yeah 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 so it's very important that everyone has great worth it's interesting because i heard this i guess uh yeah luann saying she was a what a throw out child or something um because i heard that <laughs> recently uh and and i know my mother my mother came from a family of seven girls but they used to and this is totally a joke of course but they used to say, well, there's always one that you feel like you should throw out or, or one you practice on or something. <laughs> you know, one child that seems to be the, <laughs> the handful. Um, but, but so what a, lie, what a lie that is, right? Um, I mean, what a lie. Who, who is a toss-out child? Who is this black sheep con- concept? Sometimes they're the ones that are rebelling about something that maybe everyone needs to pay attention to. That's what I've noticed. Just because they make you uncomfortable, just because they challenge your way of life that you've thought was great for so many years, doesn't mean that, you know, there's some kind of a black sheep. Doesn't mean that there's something wrong with them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're usually there to teach you a lesson, to tell you something if you listen and are wise about it. For a wake-up call. A wake-up call, yes. And and Mrs. Evans, that was one thing she used to say was that your children, sometimes your spouse, they are your, um, your scoreboard. Thank you. Yeah, your scoreboard. <laughs> your scoreboard <laughs> to see how well you're demonstrating science. <laughs> that, all of these things can be very, I will say, humiliating. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I should say humbling, but also humi- at times humiliating. <laughs> Well, it's designed to strike you down a peg or two, okay? In your own estimation. In your own estimation. So that God can lift you up. Yes. Yeah. So you get past the material sense of life and things uh, and a superficial sense of the science where you just take it off the top and and maybe you have had sort of a great life but uh, so far. But is it really that great? Have you really been living the, these precepts? And so then, you know, in Pond and Purpose, those, those three steps, the first baptism is indeed a stricken state of human consciousness, wherein mortals gain severe views of themselves, a state of mind which rends the veil and hides mental deformity. Tears flood the eyes, agony struggles, pride rebels, and a mortal seems a monster, a dark, impenetrable cloud of error. And falling on the bended knee of prayer, humble before God, he cries, save, 
or I perish. Everyone has to come to that point in order to make progress. It's not, you know, is it a pleasant experience? Well, probably not. <laughs> but you have to. The Christians call it brokenness. It's got to be a sense of save or I perish. This is, this is the burning out of your personality, all the human things that would keep you from your at one with God. When you burn out that false sense of personality, maybe you were very prideful about it. I mean, Mrs. Evans used to say that about me because I thought I was such a good person. But it, if it was humanly good, it wasn't good. And yet I clung to it because it was all I knew. And it took a lot of bashing before I realized it was not good. Only, the, only God is good, is what I read in Bicknell Young, what Christ Jesus says. Got to get purge yourself of that. And then, so God can use you. And then the second baptism is the Holy Ghost, is the spirit of truth, cleansing from all sin, giving mortals new motives, new purposes, new affections, all pointing upward. And those paragraphs are just beautiful about what happens, you know, how you grow. Purifying human thought, this state of mind permeates with increased harmony, all the minutia of human affairs. It brings with it a wonderful foresight, wisdom, and power. It unselfs the mortal purpose, gives steadfast steadiness to resolve and success to endeavor. And that's wonderful. And when we're really using this science, that's where we should be now, at least to some degree. And then the third, the baptism of spirit, or the final immersion of human consciousness in the infinite ocean of love is the last scene in corporeal sense. So it's a wonderful article to know. Prose works is, Mrs. Eddy talks about it being the teacher and and. Science and health is the healer, but we need we need all of it. You need both, right? Yes, you can't be ignorant to this. It means that cleansing, this cleansing of sin, this 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 plan of cleansing of sin, is part of why I think when we get repeated challenges, it's for us to know that they are not true. She says in the Blue Book to uh, 126 that to believe a, a lie is sin. You know those suggestions are all lies. Then it is a sin to believe them. Heal the sin. I think um, sometimes it's, I used to question, well, why so much trouble? You know, one after the other. One after, well, it's for you, me to say you are not true, to just realize that it's not true. It's not of God. And that period takes quite a bit, um, but it's for the good. So, Thank you. It, it does take quite a bit. Uh -huh. And then, I, go, please. I noticed that I think I'm getting somewhere that I'm right back to the beginning and starting over, but that's okay because I know there's growth and, uh, and being here has, it means so much and to see this growth, but to be willing to be humble, that's what I've been working on. That, and so it's beautiful. And, and honestly, you never go back to the beginning, you know, Okay. because... Well, I, I think... 
a lot of times in my time here, there's been this realization. And then I thought, wait a minute, did I know anything yesterday? <laughs> and then you just keep going on and it happens kind of again and again as time goes on. So. Yes. Yep. Yep. You just keep growing and learning and, and it, I go to that watching point where they, in the fall, the leaves keep falling and you sweep them away. And the next day there's leaves and you sweep them away. It's not the same pile of leaves though. It's, and you have progressed. It might seem like, oh my gosh, but it isn't. You're not you're just, doing the exact same thing. You're not. You're not. That's true. And you claim that you've grown. That statement in Watches, Prayers, and Arguments where Mrs. Eddy had her students know that I'm better, holier, healthier every moment of every day. That's definitely a para paraphrase. But demand that you're changing and growing. Don't You see, that's airy when you think you're not or you're back at the start one again. Well, you have one person. Or did one nice thing. That's enough to say that you've made some progress every day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, I would feel uh, tempted to be discouraged. And yes. That's terrible. And that goes, you know, to the end of this lesson uh, in Science and Health, where Mrs. Eddy says, if truth is overcoming error in your daily walk and conversation, you can finally say, I have fought a good fight. I've kept the faith because you are a better man. And this is having our onement, part of the onement with truth and love. Christians do not continue to labor and pray, expecting because of another's goodness, suffering, and triumph that they can reach his harmony and reward. So it's something we all have to do. If the disciple is advancing spiritually, he's driving to enter in. He constantly turns away from material sense and looks towards the imperishable things of spirit. If honest, he will be earnest from the start and gain a little each day in the right direction till at last he finishes his course with joy. Gain just a little each day. Don't try to be so grandiose or so discouraged because you're not walking on water. <laughs> Jesus did it for us, so we don't have to do it. <laughs> but the mortal beliefs don't want to give up their their you know their seeming reality they don't want to give it up so they want you they want to do whatever they can to get you to believe them and that's why you know that's why we're in the back it, it, you know it's not a path of roses mrs eddie calls it a battle that's because material beliefs false beliefs will try they will attempt, you know, and she says, you know, there are, how does she phrase it? She says, there are, you know, w w wicked minds are at work 24 hours a day. Working day and night. Yeah. So don't be, don't be impressed. Don't be discouraged. Put your armor on and fight the battle. And you will, you will be the victor because you will be on the side of truth. Yes. And again, every pang of repentance and suffering, every effort for reform, every good thought indeed will help us to understand Jesus' atonement for sin and its aid and its efficacy. But if the sinner continues to pray and repent, sin and be sorry, he has little part in the atonement, in the atonement with God. 
relax the practical repentance. And just what Gary said too, she says it here, that um, it's not reached through paths of flowers, nor by pinning one's faith on the, without works to another's vicarious effort. Whoever said this was going to be a, a path of flowers? Hello, no, <laughs> you you will not find it anywhere in, in the Some Bible. New age, new well, yeah, thank you, new yeah. age. Yeah. Just, At the round table, you've always been very clear about that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, yes. although God is good and God is harmony, that is the ideal. That is what is true. What we're doing, what we're talking about here is correcting our vision, gaining, obey, obeying the law, and thereby gaining the peace that no man can take from you, gaining the dominion that is your God-given dominion. Go back to pages 390 to 393. And, and we wouldn't be asked to do this if it wasn't possible. And you'll just find, you'll see, you'll look back and you'll think of how you were so bound by all the fear and negativity and depression. You were so bound by it. And, and through all this, you've learned and you find a freedom you didn't even know existed, a peace you didn't know existed. All, all of this, it's so well worth the effort. And Mrs. Eddy says in Fidelity, seek truth and pursue it. It should cost you something. You're willing to pay for error and receive nothing in return. But if you pay the price of truth, you shall receive all. And also in faith cure. It is often asked why are faith cures sometimes more speedy than some of the cures wrought through Christian scientists? Because faith is belief and not understanding. And it is easier to believe than to understand spiritual truth. It demands less cross bearing, self-renunciation and divine science to admit the claims of the corporeal senses and appeal to God for relief through a humanized conception of his power than to deny these claims and learn the divine way, drinking Jesus's cup, being baptized with his baptism, gaining the end through persecution and purity. And it goes on, but... How many are willing to do this? And again, to give up the superficial sense of Christian sinus, the waving the wand and everything is great. Because once you start walking the walk, all these things begin to, they, they, you'll find <laughs> it'll become required of you. And if you go, ah, I don't want to do this and run. Well, you know, you can, but you'll have to meet it somewhere in some other way. So, but as Gary said, it's a good God. And, and everything will be fine. Everything is fine. Yeah, and this helps explain, you know, why New Age is so popular. Yeah. It doesn't require enough of you. And, you know, it, 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 it's a feel-good. You know, it's like a, like a sugar high. So you think there may be something there. But if you stop there, I mean, eventually you'll find it, it's, it's not adequate because it's not the truth. And that is why it's so dangerous. And that is why Mrs. Eddy warns us so much about new age. 
<clears throat> because it can be a, a, a real trap. Yeah, it's very, you know, the e easy way. And so if that gets thousands and thousands of people following it, and, and you know, maybe it's better than nothing. I, I, I don't know. You know, they, at least they're learning a little bit. Some of them do talk about God. But um, this, this is the real thing. Christian science is the real thing. It is the real thing. Because so, the other, in the meantime, really denies you of all the good, I mean, the tremendous good that you have as a blessed legal child of God. I mean, to recognize that error is a lie, where are you going to find that? Right. That's right. Where are you going to find that? Or the nothingness of matter? Where are you going to find that? But to say it superficially, um, it, it doesn't work. You've got to you've got to work at it until you understand it. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. You, the, it, you can't just say the words, but. Your life experiences will help you learn the truth if you if you take the science to your life experiences. That's why they come. That's heaven's intent, that they come so you learn. And that was what, you know, Joe wrote about that, those beautiful readings from Wednesday night. The heavenly intent of earth's shadows is to chasten the affections, to rebuke human consciousness, and, it tur and turn it gladly from a material false sense of life and happiness to spiritual joy and true estimate of being. Mary Baker Eddy, heaven's intent is to help you. And those are the lessons that come to us, our daily experiences. If you have a day where you're not having something to deal with, something, some error to overcome, well, you must be sleeping all day. Because <laughs> that just doesn't happen. And then we had a Bible study on this once, but I, it's so beautiful. It's, it's John 17, and it's these words spake Jesus lit and lifting up his eyes to heaven. And that prayer, that whole chapter, he's praying for us. It talks about, yes, he's praying for his disciples, but he's praying for all those who believe in him. Well, that's us. So to think that that prayer has come down all through the ages to bless us now, all these great workers, everybody, they prayed, and those prayers are with us now. It's just so beautiful, so comforting. And why would it be any other way? So in doing these, in working this work, realizing God's at one that we are at one with him, wonderful things can transpire. And we'll, we will end today. This is what Parthens wrote on the forum um and i think probably it should be put in our uh, children's oh. website he does say that it shows <laughs> when you're really knowing that a one met the tremendous things that can be accomplished this is just one indication of it yeah this is an excerpt from a christian science sentinel article um about a teacher during a uh, school exam season um and it goes, preparation for examinations is not merely a question of remembering many facts which have been learned, but of so uplifting thought that it becomes at one with the divine consciousness in which dwells all truth. 
This destroys fear and the sense of limitation. A certain woman had a very helpful experience, which may be of benefit in this respect. She was teaching in a preparatory school when, in the middle of the semester, it became necessary for her to teach geometry, which subject was foreign to her chosen field, having been studied and passed and promptly dismissed some 20 years before. <laughs> Two days were given her in which to prepare for this class. As she fingered the pages of dimly remembered theorems, a feeling very much akin to panic and discouragement <laughs> assailed her. <laughs> One thing was certain. There was no time to review the textbook of geometry thoroughly. But she confidently turned to Christian science for the solution of her problem. Knowing that she could not possibly learn or remember anything outside of mind, she saw that her task was not an anxious cramming of facts, but in making a conscious mental effort to realize her at one with the one mind. Instead of turning to the geometry textbook, she turned to the concordance, concordances of the Bible and Mrs. Eddy's works. As she studied, she saw that to be one with mind she must actively manifest and express the attributes and qualities of mind. She also saw that the true intelligence manifested by her was in ratio to the Christ-like qualities she expressed. When Monday morning came, she entered the classroom with a quiet assurance of mind's presence and that God would reveal himself if she waited, never doubting. She saw the whole mental process of education in that classroom as the process of mind revealing itself, unfolding itself. The results of this experience were humbly and prayerfully contemplated. God's presence was proven in abundance. The logical reasoning of theorems unfolded to her waiting thought with a perception and acuteness never before realized. Original problems, which in years past had been difficult for her to solve, were now grasped with speed and clarity. When one has faithfully done his daily mental work, he need not fear examination periods, but can look forward to them with joy as presenting an opportunity to prove his own individual unity with mind, his divine and only source. In the First Church of Christ Scientist in Miscellany, page 160, our leader says, quote, To live so as to keep human consciousness in constant relation with the divine, the spiritual, and the eternal is to individualize infinite power. And this is Christian science. End quote. When study has been conscientiously carried on, then right thinking and righteous living are the true preparations needed for examination periods. And isn't that wonderful? <laughs> Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.